Right, I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter 2 this morning, verses 1 to 12. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect That's chosen, believe. He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Living, uh, sorry, beloved, as I, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Hold on. Right. Last week I began a series of messages for the next four weeks basically on becoming a people and place for God's presence. And uh, I am convinced from reading scripture, absolutely convinced 100%, that scripture demonstrates the fact that God wants to be present with his people in a tangible way. Not just an academic way, not just in a philosophical way, not just in a way of debate or what have you, but he wants to be with us in a tangible way. He wants you when you wake every day and if you spend time with him, he wants you to know his presence is there with you, not just hoping, but actually to experience it right back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, God made himself known. That is the huge thing. Right from the beginning of time, God has been making himself known. First in his creation and when he he formed Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground and walked with them, he was making himself known to them. He was teaching them. He was loving them. He was making himself known. Since that time, God has continued, even after men, uh, man and woman fell and sinned in the garden, 
and they were put out of the garden and the way to the tree of life was protected by a cherubim with a flaming sword or an angel with a flaming sword. He, the, the reality is that God has been making himself known. If you read Romans, we're without excuse We cannot say that we don't know that God exists. When we look at creation and the beauty of creation, he is making himself known through everything. And there is a way in which God makes himself known in a tangible way personally to us. So God was present in Eden. He was present with Abraham. He was present with Jacob. But Jacob makes an interesting statement in the book of Genesis when he comes to the place where he lies down one night and uses a stone for his pillow. And he has this dream of a stairway to heaven and angels going up and down the stairway. And when he awakes, he makes this powerful statement. He said, surely God was in this place, but I was not aware of it. And so it is possible for God to be present with us, but us not be aware of it. And I actually think, in truth, a lot of us as Christians, we do our daily walk, we try and follow God and all the rest of it, but when I talk to people one-to-one in those private moments, those intimate moments of just trying to share where we're at with God, I often find people who somehow think that there is a void between the, the statement and the reality. And it's to that I wish to focus my attention this morning. So we have Abraham and Jacob, God in the tabernacle with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire over the tabernacle, making himself known. He was known in the temple when Solomon dedicated. It says the glory of the Lord filled the temple to the place that the priests could not stand to minister. That's some deal. That is some deal. And I know that the Bible covers a a, a large period of time. And I know, therefore, if I am honest and I look at that, I could say, well, this is not meant to be an everyday occurrence. And I do understand that. But the reality is, all of us, if we are born again by God's Spirit, should be experiencing and knowing the presence of God with us not just in a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but more regularly than that, I would say. And especially when we gather together as the body of Christ. It's not that we haven't had God's Spirit. When you're born again by God's Spirit, God's Spirit dwells within us. Therefore, in some sort of way, we can say the presence of God is always with us. But the reality is, when we come together, and in this passage it talks about us being built together as living stones, being built into a a temple. The temple was all about God's presence and being there amongst his people. The reality is, so was the tabernacle, but the reality is that we're being built together. There is something that happens when we allow ourselves to be shaped by Jesus, the cornerstone, and we allow ourselves as living stones to be built together. I love that picture about us being built together because I tell you, it's like this. 
In the days where they built the temple, it wasn't straight that you go down to Bradford's or whoever it is, whatever building supplier you've got, and you buy a thousand bricks or a thousand breeze box. They took stone and they fashioned each stone and set it in place. And therefore you were set, the stone was set in place for a specific place within that building. And it's the same with us as we are being built together, taking our shape from the cornerstone, Jesus, without which the church, the temple we, we are formed into will never ever be true. The reality is in that process, there's going to be a bit of chipping here and a bit of chipping there, a bit of rubbing here, a bit of rubbing there in order to get the stone to fit and so we are definitely without a doubt shown that this is God's heart to make himself known the first place God makes himself known to us is in the life of the unbeliever as through the Holy Spirit God reveals to us our natural state before him John 16, 8 says this, and when he, that's referring to the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, right at the beginning, even when we're on the outside, for want of a better phrase, of God, his dealings with us are purposeful. They are to bring us to a place where we can be one of those living stones fashioned into that building. And if we are lovers of God, each of us should have seen those three distinct works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To convict the world concerning sin, the exposing of the world's error, and convicting people that they are in fact sinners. We don't like using that word today. We we avoid it at all costs. We genuinely don't like it because none of us, no one likes to think of themselves as a sinner. And yet that is the truth. You see, we judge. What we have a tendency to do is we make sin about the actions we do when sin in the Bible has the phrase of missing the mark. How have we all missed the mark? So I can say with confidence when I meet someone who is not a follower of Jesus, if they ask me, are you saying I'm a sinner? I can say with confidence, yes. As much as most of us wouldn't want to do that. How can I do that? Because you see, when you miss the mark, it's about your acceptance or rejection of Jesus. It's about your acceptance or rejection of God. It's either God is in control or you're in control. And therefore there is not one of us at some time in our life where we have not wanted to take control of our own circumstances, our own life, and ignore God in, its in, in his entirety. How can I say that I know that I still sin? Because there will be times in my life when I don't like what God says to me. Therefore, I choose to do my own thing. And at that moment, I actually do sin. Because I am rejecting Jesus and allowing myself to surrender and be under his control. Under the Holy Spirit's guidance. Because I'm trying to do it my way. The blessing for us as people when we've given our lives to Christ, is this. 
we have that wonderful fatherly corralling around us. He disciplines us. He lets us know. And we have the opportunity to put those things right. When we're outside of Christ, never ever been part of the family, never been adopted for the first time into his family, we also have the beauty of being able to become children of the living God by asking God to forgive us for our self-centeredness and going in our own direction and ignoring him. The things that we do that we so often focus on as sin are the fruits of a life lived in independence from God. So he convicts the world concerning sin. In doing this, the Holy Spirit at the same time reveals or to us or convicts us of our need to be made righteous. You see, I meet people and when I talk to them, sometimes they say to me, well, I know I'm a sinner, I don't care. They have no sense that they, they need to be made righteous. Righteousness is about having a right standing with God. If we want to be acceptable to a holy, all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent God, then I want to say to you, we need to be made right. But we can't do that by our own works. We can only do that as we surrender and accept Jesus Christ into our lives to be the king who he is meant to be. That means the throne in the middle of my life needs me to vacate it and him to take up residence. We need to be in right standing with God and the Holy Spirit works on us and yet there are still people who will acknowledge that they're sinners but they will not acknowledge their need for righteousness because deep down inside they still think they can do it themselves. The middle letter of sin is I and that is most of the difficulty that we face. And the Holy Spirit also I believe, I don't know if convict is the right word, but at least makes us aware that there is a coming judgment. You see, we don't preach that much these days. We don't talk about the fact that there is a time coming at some point in the annals of history. As we go, I don't know if annals is the right, that's backwards, isn't it? In the future of history that we haven't walked yet, at some point Christ is going to return. The Bible tells us that. If you don't want to accept what the Bible says, then you can carry on living how you are. But there will come a day, it could be within our lifetime. We should live in the light of his appearing, the Bible says. There will be a moment where Christ returns and takes those who are still living to be with himself. There is a fantastic picture in Revelation of being caught up into the air. And we will be with him. And we're going to have some heck of a party. But the reality is, at that point it is too late. You don't get a second chance. The Holy Spirit declares through Scripture the inspiration. Holy Spirit inspires the writers of the Bible. 
We are told clearly again and again there is a day coming when we will have to give an account of our lives. And there you've had the gospel. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will recognise each of those stages in your life. If you don't recognise all three, I would say to you, you need to think long and hard about where you stand with him. And I don't want to bring you down with that, but that is fact. I have to make one more statement, however, because if I just focus on this one verse and I take just those three things, we can end up in a place of depression. We could do. But I have to add this to those last three statements. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal to the world God's grace, his mercy. We've sung about his love this morning. He wants us to know that. And that is why Jesus, God's son, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, the presence of God coming down and dwelling amongst us in bodily form, as it says, he came to pay the price so we didn't have to. But what it requires from us is to surrender our lives to him. The Holy Spirit also has other things that uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, there are other issues. He confirms to you your relationship with God. I'm just going to rattle off some verses for you. Romans 8, 16, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, 1 John 4, 13. You could look at any of those. And he confirms to you, it says he confirms to you, the Holy Spirit will confirm to you your relationship with God. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. He reveals truth to us, John 16, 13, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 2 Peter 1, 21. He helps us overcome sin, Galatians 5, 16. He empowers us to witness and talk about Jesus and what God has done for us. He transforms our character, transforming us from one level of glory to ever-increasing glory. Showing us the little things that we do day by day, which he wants us to deal with as we follow him. Ephesians 5.18, this is why the Apostle Paul is so adamant. Do not get drunk with wine, new, with new wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. In fact, the tenor of that verse is not just be filled as a singular event it is a be being filled with the holy spirit every day of our lives i am convinced without a shadow of a doubt that god's presence is what he wants Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's about God wanting his presence to be with us. Matthew 28.20, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Romans 8.9, you who are, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
Notice that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ there. 1 John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, or John 14, 23 it might be, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The presence of God and his desire to fellowship with us is immense. One writer has put it like this, the presence of God is more than theoretical, it lives It enriches, it expands, and it even amends our faith at times. This is important for all of us because to know salvation is to know God's presence. God's presence practically influences the the way we live out our salvation, the way in which we assemble with fellow believers and hope in God's future promises. This transcendent God, you see, lots of religions have a God who is transcendent and he's out there, but he's not personal. And yet the God in whom I serve is both transcendent above everything, but he is also up close and personal. And that is, for me, the difference. So our whole goal is to become a spiritual temple And I'm going to rattle through these things. There are three Ps I want to share with you. Preparation, or purpose, preparation, and process. Our purpose is this spiritual house. I've made the point about that, to know God's presence, to become a holy priesthood, a nation, a holy nation belonging to God. This book in 1 Peter was written not primarily to Jews. It was written to Gentiles and it is clearly referring to the fact that we now are the people of God along with those Jews who will follow Jesus. The nation of Israel is still God's people however they are responding to him but there are those there who are what is is termed messianic Jews, those who accept that Jesus was the Messiah. And we are being grafted together with them, I believe, in Jesus. And we now are his people. It's not the first time in Peter, where Peter is writing, where this idea has come up. Right back in Exodus 96. And I want you to listen to this verse carefully because some people can take offence that I may be suggesting that there are some in the Jewish nation who may not go to be with Jesus at the end. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. But there is a condition to it. It's not just open, it's a conditional thing. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you speak to the people of Israel. That was God's heart intent. And then through them that all the world should be blessed. Through the seed of Abraham. 
It should be blessed. The world is being blessed through the Jewish nation because Jesus, believe it or not, was Jewish. (laughs) You know, I don't think we should take the attitude that we suddenly make Jesus because he was God's son, God incarnate with us, that all of a sudden he didn't have a nationality. He was Jewish. But God is looking for a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Now there may be a mighty ingathering towards the end. And there are many things happening in Israel right now which are cause hope for the future. But it is us together being built into a holy nation and a royal priesthood. So that's the purpose. Preparation. There is a time of preparation. If we went back into the previous chapter, we would find these words. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. The word prepare here means exactly what it says. To get ready, to make sure that you, having decided, have done everything that you can to succeed. The picture is of a man in a long flowing robe, and I'm not... Uh, in a long flowing robe this morning maybe I should have worn one and I could have demonstrated but in a long flowing robe and there's this prepare yourselves and in it, to enable a person in those days to run they would never have been able to run in a long flowing robe they would have ended up tripping over I trip over in trousers they would have definitely tripped over the hem of their garment and gone flat face down so what they used to do was they would gather up the long garment and however they did it they would pull it through and form what looked I would say like shorts to enable them to run unhindered so we're told here to prepare our minds for action we need to prepare ourselves for action we don't just sit passively waiting for things to happen be sober minded that means to exercise self-control There's a challenge for all of us here. Some of us like to say what we want to say when we want to say it without any regard to other people. I know that prophets were pretty direct when you read the the the, um, the books in the Old Testament especially they were not they didn't beat around the bush they were very direct but somehow we think that we can just say what we want how we want when we want. We don't exercise self-control. I have an issue with self-control over eating. There are loads of things where we don't have self-control. We don't exercise it. Maybe it's finance. We don't exercise self-control. We just spend, spend, spend. We, we seriously need to think about being sober-minded. What is the best use of our, our bodies, our time, our speech, absolutely everything we do. And this isn't to become a bunch of prudes and, 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 and a bunch of um, what I call hot water bottle-lipped Christians where they've got that, hmm. One church I was in, they talked about the bun in the hair brigade with hot water bottle lips, you know. It's not the miseries. We're not miserable people. But we do need to be sober-minded. We need to exercise self-control. We need to set our hope 
Our faith, our trust in God unwaveringly. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God wants us not to be conformed by the passions of our former life. All of us come with baggage. There is not one person here who doesn't have baggage. Whether that be a rotten home background, maybe you've been abused, I don't know. We all come with baggage. It's different baggage for each person, but we all come with baggage. But we are here to set our hope on God, who is the answer, the deliverer, the fortress in whom I am going to trust and put myself inside. We're not to be conformed to the passions because out of those things come passions sometimes. Those things, the baggage we bring, we come out of it with passions for things which are not healthy for us. And then the challenge, be holy in all your conduct as he who has called you is holy. Sharp intake of breath. Be holy as God is holy. Is that really possible? If we're prepared to keep nothing back for ourselves and truthfully surrender our lives to him, yes, that is possible. We recognise there's been a price paid for us. If you went back into one and looked at the verses 18 to 21, you would see that we are reminded of the price that has been paid for us, the fact that Jesus went to the cross, the thing we remembered this morning and celebrate our freedom from, and the process. So purpose there's a time of preparation that we have to go through there is in scripture preparation Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and then driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and returned in the power of the Spirit David was anointed king and then he became king later on Abraham was promised a son when he was too old to produce a son and his wife was too old to conceive a son And yet, in the mercy of God, that took place. There was a time between the promise and the fulfillment. The process, here we go, so put away, get rid of, stop, take off, lay down, disregard, avoid, escape. All these words capture the phrase, put away. In Galatians, we're told to put off our old old way of life and put on the new. In my wardrobe, I've got... Some of you might think I only wear one or two different shirts. You're probably right, because I feel comfortable in them. All right? And if I wear the shirt, the same shirt, two days running, you might think that he's a dirty person. But some of my shirts, I've actually got two of the same shirt. So, but I've got loads of shirts in my cupboard, nice shirts, shirts that have hardly been worn, because I feel comfortable in the shirt I got and the jeans I've got. This tells me that I, I need to buy two of everything when I buy it. Because once I like something, that's it. I wear it till it falls apart. What I'm trying to say is, sometimes we hang on to our past because we feel comfortable in it. 
we're told here to put away from ourselves. So what are we putting away? Right at the beginning of that passage, malice, hateful feelings, evil, badness, moral badness, voice. Put it away from you because it is sin. Notice, we put it away. Deceit, treachery, cunning, manipulation, deception, secrecy. Put it away. Hypocrisy. This is the one charge that is so leveled at church and Christians. Pretense, acting, playing the part. Some people within this congregation will tell you very honestly where they're at. And when you listen sometimes you think, not are they saved type thing, but you think, oh, flip it out. But I want to tell you, I love those people. Do you know why? Because there's no pretense in them. There is no pretense in them. Some of us religiouses, religious ones, we're a, oh, oh dear. But I like that. No pretense, no hypocrisy. If they're struggling, they tell you they're struggling. They're honest. Envy, jealousy, malevolence, slander, all unkind speech, evil report and lying. And this goes into divisiveness where we try and and get people on side with us because we don't like this being done or that being done. So we then can come to the leadership or the whosoever and say, there are those, plural, of us who feel. Well, I'm going to break that shatter that dream for you you ever come to me and say there are those of us who feel I will take absolutely no notice of you unless you own it and you tell me I feel I'll listen to you on that but as soon as you want to add in there are these people you don't even name them that's the trouble what you do is you blanket statement them maybe and then I'm left here on a Sunday morning looking around the congregation and I smile sweetly and yet on one side of my head I'm thinking, oh, I wonder who the those are, you know. <laughs> Divisiveness, unkind speech, evil report, lying. If we are going to be a place which is holy, set apart in order that the presence of God will be manifest amongst us. We need to put away these things. I'm going to finish just by reading you a scripture. It comes from Hebrews 12, 17 verses, but it doesn't take that long. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
and you have not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers. I take real heart in this as an earthly father. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we much, not much more be subject to the Father of the spirits and live? It's this part. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. We all do our best as parents. Even when we really get it badly wrong. There are some evil people out there who seem to just be evil. But I would say the majority of parents discipline as they think best. But he, that's God, disciplines us for our good. That we may share in what? His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained. Therefore, here's the encouragement for you. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your knees. I don't know where you are this morning with God, whether you have really surrendered your life to him and are followers of him. I, of course, know some of you because I pastor you. But I want to ask you, I want to challenge you this morning. I don't normally give an appeal on a church service, but I want to say to you, there is a day coming when Christ will return and we will have to give an account. Are you ready? That's my question. Are you ready? Are you ready? You need to be ready. That means you have to confess your sin. Accept Jesus as your only way of having that sin dealt with. And surrender your life. And surrender means... Remove yourself from the centre of your life and put him in. Let's pray. (coughs) 
<clears throat> I am asking that everybody keeps their heads bowed, please. I just feel I'd be amiss this morning if I didn't give the opportunity as there are people here this morning that I do not know where you stand with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to at least indicate that you want to know more if you're not ready to surrender your life to him. The reality is this. The Bible talks that there is a heaven and a hell. A heaven to be gained and a hell to shun. I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of is it fair and all the rest of it. Because if the Holy Spirit is talking to you this morning, you're not bothered about whether it's fair. You're just bothered about where you're going. If Jesus was returned, where would I be? If he stood before me and asked me, why should I let you come into heaven? What would your answer be? If you want to get your life in a place which is right with God and to allow me to pray for you this morning, I'm going to ask, will you just indicate to me by raising your hand? And if I see that hand, I will just say this. I see that hand, you can put it down there. Is there anybody here this morning who wants to commit their life to Christ? You might even say you believe he's real, but you know deep inside that you really don't follow him Monday to Saturday. You might just do the Sunday thing. I'm just going to ask one more time. I'm not going to keep it going. Is there anybody this morning who wants to give their life to Christ and accept him as their king, their Lord, their master, their saviour? Okay, let's pray. Father God, I know that my prayer is that we will become living stones built into a spiritual house, the temple, a place where your presence will dwell amongst us. I want to thank you for what you've done for us. I want to thank you for the opportunity that you give to us. And Lord, I just ask this morning that you will continue to fashion our lives, shape our lives, knock off the rough edges so that we fit in and we, we can be built together to form that dwelling place for you, corporately together. And that, Lord, you'll keep working on our own personal life so that we don't grieve you by the way we live. Lord, you know the times we love you and we fall short. And sometimes those things come close to breaking us because it upsets us that we have fallen short of what you require. But Lord, this morning I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that you've said 
If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Go with us, Father. Be with us. Continue to work on us. Transform us into the likeness of your Son, Jesus. Amen.